This morning we're going to look at a passage from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. This is the account of Mary's visit with her cousin Elizabeth. Now Mary arose in those days. And she went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And may God be praised, and may he give us grace to hear his word and receive it. Let us pray. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this account. Lord, you included it in this portion of your word uh, for us, uh, that we might be built up in our faith. Lord, would you produce faith? Would you build up faith today in our hearts as we contemplate these wonderful truths? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, life is full of greetings. You greeted one another when you came in today, and uh, we especially send greeting cards to each other this time of year. One of the most well-known greetings in the Bible is found a little earlier in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, when the angel Gabriel uh, greeted Mary and said, Hail thou who art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And then in our passage today, we find Mary coming to visit Elizabeth and greeting her, although we're not told what Mary said to Elizabeth, but we we do hear what Elizabeth uh, said to Mary, how she greeted Mary. And in verse 42, uh, she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Well, that greeting from Gabriel to Mary in verse 28, and this one in verse 42, uh, were combined by the Roman Catholic Church in the 11th century to uh, form and approve what's called the Hail Mary Prayer. I did previously title this sermon, Hail Mary, with a question mark. I changed it. But uh, but it's interesting to, to study the history of that prayer that the Catholic Church uses. And according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, it says there's little or no trace of the Hail Mary as an accepted devotional formula before about 1050. So the church never uh, used this prayer. They never prayed uh, to Mary that we know of, not formally anyway, not officially until 1050. But in the early years, the prayer was composed, first of all, just of those two verses. That's all it was. Um, but then it was added on to, and the end of that prayer goes like this. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Needless to say, uh, I don't believe any Christian should pray to Mary, should pray this prayer. Uh, And uh, 
prayer, because prayer is to be made to God alone. We have this in our larger catechism. There's a question that says, are we to pray to God only? Are we? And the answer is, God only being able to search the heart, hear the request, pardon the sins, fulfill the desires of all, and God only to be believed in, worshipped with religious worship, and prayer, which is a special part of that worship, is to be made by all to him alone and to none other. A short way of saying, yes, we're only to pray. Uh, we are to pray to God only and, uh, and, and not to any human being, not to any angel, not to any saint. So we say no to the Hail Mary of the Roman Catholics, but we say yes to a right understanding of these greetings recorded for us in Scripture and contemplating uh, what God did with these women, especially as Elizabeth was visited by her cousin Mary. And we'll look at several important truths from this passage, and the first one we see is the importance of fellowship between believers. We see that, that fellowship between believers is a vital thing for our spiritual growth and encouragement. The angel Gabriel had just informed Mary, as we said, that, that she would conceive and give birth to a child, and the child would be the Son of God. And she was to call him Jesus. That's interesting uh, because uh, the Son of God has a name. He's given a name by God himself, announced by the angel Jesus. He is the Christ, the Messiah, uh, and he is the Lord, but his name is Jesus. Uh, well, this past week the president uh, spoke, uh, gave an address, a Christmas address, but he never mentioned the name Jesus, not even the, the title Christ. He spoke about a child being born, and he spoke about Christmas, but he didn't mention the name Jesus. You know, uh, I think we should say his name, Jesus. There is something about that name. Uh, and that's what the angel, the angel said. You will conceive in your womb. You'll bring forth a son. Yes, he's going to be the son of God. He'll be Lord of all. But his name shall be Jesus. Romans 10.9 even goes so far as to say, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You must confess the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. The Lord is Jesus. Now back to Mary and Elizabeth. Uh, after the angel revealed that she would give, uh, that Mary would give birth to the Messiah, he also told her in Luke 1.36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month, for her who was called barren. So there was a unique uh, uh, conception there, and, and we would say it was a, an unusual providence that that she who was barren and, and who was old, it's not the first time this happened, right? We know that Sarah, Abraham's wife, conceived in her old age and had not uh, uh, before that been able to do so. And here, so we have a wonderful answer to prayer and intervention of God. And this knowledge uh, the angel told Mary about Elizabeth that prompted Mary to go with haste to see Elizabeth. And, and so this interaction recorded for us between these two God-fearing women shows us the great value of fellowship and the encouragement that comes through uh, Christian fellowship. Uh, 
they were related, they were cousins, but their fellowship was much more beneficial. Their spiritual fellowship was much more beneficial than their family relationship. We know many family relationships are very hard. There, there's conflict, there's difficulty, but the spiritual uh, fellowship that we have in Christ can be so uh, wonderful. One author says their fellowship with one another was the fellowship of faith. Their communion was the communion of grace. You think about, you know, just, you know, this small church here, we're, we are a family because we're the family of God. We have the fellowship of faith, the communion of grace. And consider the blessings that came uh, through to Mary and to Elizabeth uh, during this encounter. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what can happen when Christians get together for fellowship. They're stirred up in their faith and the Spirit of God comes to fill them. And, and then Mary was inspired to write the song of praise that follows the passage I read called the Magnificat. Read that passage. It's a wonderful prayer that exalts the Lord God. So they edified one another. Their joy was multiplied through the fellowship. J.C. Ryle comments that we should always regard communion with other believers as an imminent means of grace. Uh, to avoid the fellowship or to neglect the fellowship of the saints is to neglect it as a means of grace. So do you and I, do we fully appreciate, do we really appreciate the fellowship that we have together? The Bible says in Malachi 3.16, I love this verse. Uh, I think the men did a whole study, a book on uh, godliness Based on this verse, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Uh, those who fear the Lord speak with one another, and that uh, speaking with one another is like iron sharpening iron. Mary and Elizabeth greeted, they encouraged one another. You know, a simple greeting may seem like just perfunctory. But it opens the way for more. Greet one another with a holy kiss, the Bible says. But Elizabeth did not, notice she did not worship Mary. Uh, she and Mary were on equal footing. In fact, she, she humbled herself, being the elder, uh, she humbled herself before Mary, but, but they were spiritual equals. Uh, but let's promote fellowship among ourselves because this is what Mary and Elizabeth did. And they were very blessed because of it. Secondly, from the passage, we learn the blessing of being filled with the Spirit. Verse 41, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the and the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, earlier, uh, the angel had told uh, Elizabeth's husband, a uh, priest, Zacharias, that Elizabeth would uh, uh, you know, bear a child and that the child would be filled with, with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So that's an incredible thought as well. But Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit when Mary greeted her. And I would suggest to you that uh, the reason she was filled with the Spirit was because she was so near to the Lord Jesus Christ who was in Mary's womb. And this particular feel, filling of the Spirit enabled Elizabeth to prophesy, to speak the word of the Lord to Mary and to us today. Uh, and so uh, being filled with the Spirit is often 
associated with prophecy, but also simply uh, bearing witness and speaking forth the truth of God. You know, prophecy involves predicting the future and speaking uh, a, a new piece of word you know, from God, but it also means just foretelling, uh, telling the word that's already been given to us. In Acts 4.31, the early Christians prayed together, and it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so if you and I are going to speak the word of God with boldness, we are going to need to be filled with the Spirit. And... Elizabeth, when she was filled, she spoke out with a loud voice. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, I think it just means she was very excited. She got enthusiastic. She became um, full of joy and, and excitement about what she was experiencing. She knew she was in the presence of the Lord. And so to be filled with the Spirit does not leave us cold and ho-hum. It can't. The Spirit of God will always move us to praise the Lord, to rejoice in Him. Ephesians 5.18 commands us, in fact, isn't that interesting? We are actually commanded to be filled with the Spirit. We might think, well, I'm not, not in, I don't have anything to do with this. If, if God fills me with the Spirit, it's just going to happen. How about this? Be filled with the Spirit. Well... Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. See, so that's that's what that's the, the result of being filled is this worship and joyful praise of our God. Here's a summary of what it means to be filled with the Spirit from Charles Hodge, Princeton theologian from a previous uh Century Hodge comments that men are said to be filled with wine when completely under its influence. So they are said to be filled with the Spirit when He controls all their thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. To be filled with the Spirit is to allow Him to completely control everything in your life. Are you ready to, to allow that? That's what it means. But third from our passage, we, we see uh, and, and learn of Elizabeth's confession of faith. She makes a confession here. She says to Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So first, she confesses this great privilege that Mary had. Uh, and, and the reason, of course, that Mary was blessed was because of the child. She was carrying the fruit of her womb. She was blessed because of the blessedness of, of the child. And what a great privilege. And yet every genuine believer in Jesus has a greater privilege than Mary regarding what, you know, just her being the, the mother of the Lord. John Calvin says to carry Christ was not Mary's primary blessedness, but was greatly inferior to the distinction of being born again by the Spirit of God to a new life. You see, the greatest blessing of all and this blessing is accessible not just to one woman, but to everyone who believes in the Lord. It's to be born again of the Spirit. Uh, 
The great thing for Mary was not that she carried Jesus in her womb, but that she had Christ in her heart by faith. Not giving birth to Christ, but Christ giving a new birth to her. That's the great thing. So I would ask you, have you been truly born again of the Spirit of God? Then you are blessed to the highest degree. You're blessed. You're highly favored among men in this world. She went on to confess that Mary was the mother of my Lord. She confessed Jesus as Lord already, even though he was still in the womb. Well, she acknowledged that, that this was the long-expected Messiah, the son of David, the one who came to rule, the one who came to have the government upon his shoulders, the one who came to save the world. She understood what Mary enunciated in her Magnificat in verses 46 to 55. It is a confession of, of remarkable faith. And of course, all faith is a gift of God. Um, God himself would have revealed these things to her. Same thing when, when Peter confessed. You remember, you know, Jesus was saying, who do men say that I am? And, and, and Peter finally confesses, you're the Christ, the Son of God, Son of the living God. And what does... Uh, Jesus say to him, well, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Elizabeth confessed by the grace of God uh, that Jesus is Lord. And she confessed what all people one day will confess at the return of Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's in Philippians 2. So Elizabeth put her faith. And the Lord in that moment, she confessed that faith immediately. You see, faith and confession go together. Don't wait until the day of judgment when you will make, and everyone will make who didn't believe, will make a forced confession. Uh, confess him now voluntarily, freely, and call him your Lord. And notice that Elizabeth was not envious of the honor bestowed on Mary. She was older. She might have been jealous. Of Mary, but there's not a hint of that. Uh, she considered herself unworthy that she would be even in the presence of the mother of her Lord. Her own son, John the Baptist, who would be born a few months later, uh, also had a, a, a humble attitude. It says when Jesus came to him to be baptized. This is, of course, some years later. Matthew 3:14. And John, John tried to prevent him. He says, no, Lord, I need to be baptized by you. And he would say of Jesus, he said, you know, one who's coming, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. Do you understand this, this attitude, this humble attitude that Elizabeth and later John would have? And, of course, Mary had it as well. Lord, I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies. And so this... And we talked about that earlier at the time of confession of sin in the service. But this recognition that I have no merit, that I have nothing to offer to God, I have nothing by which I deserve anything good from God. And if I receive anything, it's by the grace of my Lord. Have you recognized your unworthiness for God and your need of salvation? And not just one time in the past when you got saved, but every day of your life. And finally, in our passage, we see Elizabeth's praise of Mary's faith. In verse 45, she said to Mary, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. 
And so she commends Mary's faith, and she also encourages Mary's faith. It's going to happen, Mary, just as you have believed. It will be fulfilled. And that's what faith does. Uh, it, it believes what God says will happen. And so all true blessedness comes through faith. Uh, there is no blessedness apart from faith. So it's not the outward privileges, it's not church membership, it's not Jewish heritage or Christian heritage, it's not uh, I'm an officer in the church or I'm this or that. No, it is whether we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Uh, All true faith is personal faith. If you personally trusted in Christ as your Savior... And your Lord, and then of course we are to continue to trust in Him for all things. Mary's faith was in the Word of the Lord that came to her through the angel. And so, what is faith? It's confidence that God will accomplish all that He has said in His Word. It's trusting that He makes good on all His promises and will fulfill all His holy will. Uh, the Apostle Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, and he said, I'm not going to believe unless I see Jesus, unless I can touch him and, and, and put my hand where his wounds are and all that. And Jesus came to him and appeared to him, and Thomas believed. But Jesus said, well, that's good, Thomas, that you believe, but blessed are those who didn't see, who haven't seen, and yet believe. Mary believed before she saw, before, before she felt a child within her, she believed the word, the word alone. That's what faith does. She walked by faith, not by sight. And in Luke 18.8, Jesus said this. He said, when the Son of Man comes, when he returns to earth, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find faith? Let's make it personal in you and in me. Uh, Again, to quote our... Older brother J.C. Ryle, who's long gone now before us, but he said, When the great white throne is set and the books are opened and the dead are called from their graves and receiving their final sentence, the value of faith will at length be fully known. Men will learn then, if they never learned before, how true are the words, blessed are those who have believed. Have you believed and are you continuing to believe Nor do you believe in God the Father, the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Do you believe uh, that Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried? Do you believe that? Do you believe on the third day He rose again according to the Scriptures, that He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe that? Do you live as if you believe it? Do you believe in him as your own savior from sin? And do you confess the name of Jesus? I I want to urge you in this coming year uh, to let the name of Jesus be more on your lips. As someone has said about another individual whose name is not worthy uh, compared to our Lord, Say his name. Say the name of Jesus. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And if you believe in him, and if you confess him, 
The world may not bless you, but you are blessed. Fellow Christians will say, yes, you are blessed. And we can encourage one another in that way. You are highly favored to know this one who was born Christ the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit as Elizabeth was. Believe as Mary did and magnify the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Let us stir one another up to love and good deeds in this coming year. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this truth, these truths, in this portion of your word. May we meditate on them and ponder them and treasure them up in our hearts, even as Mary and Elizabeth surely did. Father, we know how difficult it is once we leave here to live as believers in an unbelieving world. So we pray, fill us with the Spirit of God. Only you can enable us to live, to believe, and to confess your name. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, you are our King. You are our Lord. We exalt you. Thank you for coming into this world, for humbling yourself, dying on the cross, and yet being raised for our salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us close now with one final Christmas hymn, number 218, Angels from the Realms of Glory.